0: Welcome to another Community Broadband Bits podcast. It's the Year in Review edition. Yay! Woohoo! This is going to be a very exciting day for everyone who's listening to this show on New Year's Eve.
1: (laughs) If you're listening to the show on New Year's Eve, thank you for sacrificing your plans to join us. It just
2: means they're really excited about 2015. That's right. I
0: strongly recommend that if you're listening to this show between, say, 9 p.m. and midnight on New Year's Eve... You may want to reassess your life's goals.
2: (laughs) Wait, I'm listening.
0: (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit about what happened over the course of the year and then maybe make a few predictions for next year. But we have a special guest. We do have a special guest. A very special guest. (laughs) Rebecca Taves. Who spells her name totally weird, like other Canadians?
2: Hey, if you are a hockey fan, then you know how to say my name.
0: And I know we have a few listeners that are hockey fans. So, uh, but Rebecca is our communications specialist and has shown up in a number of places. So, uh,
2: I'm basically the noob. I think I'll, I'll be the uh, voice of what? One of the reasons why we brought. Rebecca is because we Rebecca can't find has anything
0: else for her to do. <laughs>
2: They're taking over my office and I would just up overhear it anyway. Rebecca has this great sense of humor and she laughs at almost everything we say. <laughs> so that's why
1: she's here. She makes us feel good. So we thought we might also get into a few predictions. Yes. Allah, uh, Karnak the Magnificent.
2: Predilections. Prevarications. Although many
1: people are too young to Really appreciate
0: Karnak apparently Karnak had a pretty big impact on Lisa because when I suggested doing a predictions discussion, she got very excited and pantomimed many envelopes <laughs> crashing into her skull. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing a show that's it's going to be uh, we're going to start off with the year in review and Lisa has done a little bit of research and come up with some items and I have done no research. In order to, to claim. What? <laughs> because I wanted to be fresh. And to, to give you a. Oh,
1: listen to this lame excuse for not do, doing your work.
0: I wanted to give an honest, unscripted reaction to reflecting on what's happened in the year 2014.
1: I just thought of what some of the big stories were, and I, I'm sure that everybody listening would agree with me that probably the biggest stories. Um, had to do with um, this idea that local communities should be able to have the authority to build out their networks. Um, and the FCC taking um, the cue from the D.C. District Court to reassess Section 706 of the Telecommunications Act um, to decide whether or not they might be able to roll back some of those state Uh, laws that restrict that.
0: I think the FCC deserves a lot of credit for uh, uh, Tom Wheeler, chairman of the FCC, coming out in September and saying that many Americans don't have a choice and and putting forth the statistics that most Americans that want a high-speed internet connection cannot get it from from uh, from any provider. Uh, I think 20% of Americans can't get anything over 25 megabits. And those who can, the vast majority of them, can only get it from one provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to just gently suggest that that the FCC has taken a lead on a lot of this stuff. But it was uh, the cities of Wilson and Chattanooga that actually led to the FCC considering these petitions about the, um, the municipal restricting laws of Tennessee and... Uh, North Carolina.
2: Right, right. I mean, go ahead, Rebecca. Well, I was just, I was thinking, um, I'm wondering, I'm fairly new to this just in the past year, and I've noticed a huge difference in the conversation that's going on. And so do you think that uh, Chairman Wheeler's response has been sort of the reason that this has become a lot more mainstream, it seems like?
0: I think that, that because we have Chairman Wheeler using the bully pulpit on this issue, it's, it's made large press outlets cover it more frequently. I think, you know, press really didn't know what was happening on this before Chattanooga and Google uh, in Chattanooga and Kansas City and that sort of thing. And I think that, that Chairman Wheeler speaking out on this so frequently and other people from the FCC stepping up. Um, that they've really helped to elevate it and make it a constant press item, uh, maybe in the tech press, but often in the Wall Street Journal or the, the Washington Post, the New York Times, all of them have been covering this. And then public radios had, had a number of stories about it. So uh, I think it's, it's been incredible, just the amount of attention on this, this idea of cities building their own networks.
2: And that's different from years past.
0: It is different, yes, and I would, and I should also say, it's also with cities partnering uh, with other local, often trusted allies to build the network. And there's a different momentum here. When you look at a newspaper story now, and it talks about municipal networks, odds are almost all the comments are very favorable and saying, "Yes, cities should be doing this. We just want a choice. We want something more. We don't really care who does it, but we need someone to do it." Whereas two years ago, you know, we would see a real mix of comments. And some of them would be from people who were saying, cities are stupid. Cities wouldn't know how to do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. But now there's a definitely a different, a different sense. And there's a respect for the, the, the things that cities can do.
1: And, you know, that sort of brings me to what I thought the next interesting thing was. And, and granted, you know, a lot of this is fresh in my memory because it's sort of later in the year. Is I thought that what happened in Colorado was really and 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 as you mentioned North Carolina and Chattanooga I think sort of got the ball rolling and but I I think in Colorado there were eight different communities who decided this fall that they are going to maybe not actually start initiatives and start projects, but at least reclaim that authority. You know, they realized they could at least say, Hey, if we wanna do this, we will
0: Right. And, and which they, which under Colorado law, they have to do mm-hmm. before they really take any steps. But you're absolutely right. And I think the way you described it was spot on. We, we have been seeing a lot of these trends. And, you know, when you're trying to figure out what's really happening out there, which is, I think, different a lot of the times from what you and I might want to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's hard sometimes because you're trying to figure out what's really happening out in the world. Mm-hmm. And you think you have a handle on it. And then along comes an election. And it just reinforces everything you've believed, which is that this is a nonpartisan issue. This is something that that people in communities that vote heavily Republican care about. It's something that people in communities that vote heavily Democratic care about. And in the communities where there's a total mix and they spent some Republicans and some Democrats to represent them, they also overwhelmingly voted for, um, for the authority to have this. So it's something that, that we see, and every year it gets reinforced, I think, that this is not a partisan matter. This mm-hmm. is just a matter of people that want to have local authority to, to make the decisions they need to have their community be very strong.
1: Mm-hmm. And and one of the things about that that I thought was interesting is most of those communities were smaller communities. Or rural. Yep. Or rural. And Which also leads to the next thing I thought was interesting is that there were quite a few... Smaller or rural communities that actually built networks themselves or started, such as such as you know there were Leverett, Sebel Wing. I knew you're going to say you're a Michigan. Sebeling. You're a Michigan. Girl. I am. I'm from Michigan, <laughs> and I just think it's really cool. And plus, you know, it's in the thumb geographically you know it's kind of like out there it's a little it's its own little peninsula and so that area sort of gets overlooked because it's not up the middle of the state right you know and so they have no choice you know and so they were kind of like well let's just do it ourselves you know and and also, Westminster. Is, Ammon, yeah, Ammon,
0: Idaho is moving yeah. forward. And, and then Rockport
1: in Maine. Right, a you lot know, of Maine communities. Yeah, so it's all of these like smaller and communities. And we
0: found out today. Yep. Which, when we we're recording this, Chanute just got uh, the the okay from the state to bond for right. their fiber network right. in right. Kansas.
1: So, you know, I, I just think it was interesting that a lot of smaller communities just said, you know what, we're not waiting anymore. We're just going to do it. Yep. You know, I thought that was. Uh, an interesting thing in 2014.
0: Which is interesting too because it was often these more isolated and and uh, smaller communities that um that got the ball rolling originally, you know, Cookstown Pennsylvania, uh Bristol, Virginia, uh Chelan, um Dalton, Georgia, one of the first ones. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of these are smaller places that mm-hmm. are that are or at least they're certainly off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. So, it's in some ways it's a return to I think smaller, smart, forward-thinking communities that are leading the way, and Winthrop, Minnesota, too. You know, with the RS fiber, they've they're getting their financing in house, and so it's very exciting to see Sibley County in Minnesota, this very farming-dependent communities that are going to finally get the connections that they need. They're building a co-op. It's it's a very exciting story.
1: Right, right. So, what about you, Chris? I mean, what are some things that some stories this year that you thought were
0: well, today was the day Even that though you
1: didn't do your homework, I'm sure some <laughs> things kind of stick in your brain. Well,
0: this was a year when America had enough of me and I got to start touring the world a little bit more. So, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: you know, I got to give a presentation in Stockholm and then in Brussels about uh, what's happening in the United States. And I also got to attend the Internet Governance Forum in Istanbul. So it was, uh, it was a year in which I started paying more attention to what's happening internationally mm-hmm. and a real reminder that a lot of these fights are global, that big telecom companies, you know, they have different names in Europe than they do over here, but they really have the same interests, right. mm-hmm. and they're really screwing a number of communities over. And so there's a need, I think, to really be aware of what's happening elsewhere and to learn from the open access in Sweden to get a better sense of how we might approach open access in the United States is, is helpful. Um, it was a, it was a good year for, um, for some of the big coalitions that we helped create. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we spent a long time trying to build this next century cities and, and working with, um, some people and sort of figuring out what a coalition like that might do. And so having launched next century cities is very exciting. And, and I think it's making great progress. I think with Deb Sosha as executive director, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see that continue to grow and to work with them. Um, and to work with them in the sense that I'm also part of Next Century Cities as, as the policy director. Um, and then the Coalition for Local Internet Choice, I think, is really terrific. And, and working with Jim Baller and Joanne Hovis in an official capacity is terrific because uh, they both do terrific work. They're both, uh, they've been around in this industry for such a long time. I mean, Jim was counsel to Billy Ray. Right. You know. So, for anyone who hasn't seen the the video we did on Glasgow this year, we released it in August, and you can find it on our videos page. Um, the uh, The video on Glasgow, Kentucky, is terrific. The birth of community broadband. Billy Ray is amazing, and he's such uh, a
2: great character.
0: And he's the one that taught Jim Baller about broadband, mm-hmm. and, and Jim Baller has gone on to be an incredibly important attorney in these matters, and he helped us to form the. We helped him to form the coalition for local internet choice. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, it's a very exciting movement that, you know, we'll get into a little bit with our predictions, but moving forward, trying to make sure that we can restore some of the authority to communities and make sure that no one's able to roll any authority back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So Rebecca? Those are one of the big things.
1: Yeah. Rebecca, anything stick out in your mind?
0: Rebecca, yeah. one year ago, you didn't know what community <laughs> broadband was, right? right?
2: Well, that is not, in, okay. I didn't know what community broadband was. No. But I definitely knew about net neutrality issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, but it was always something in it was in grad school where I was like, Oh well that's you know, it's it's a wonky tech thing that, that I won't ever really understand and it's really been a great a great transition to sort of see where I've how far I've come in understanding these issues and, and being able to relate them on a on a you know, real real people level I think has been it's been really cool for me. FCC's been very busy this year.
0: Yes, although I think that um, uh, Chairman Wheeler has done far better than some people expected. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. concern with Yeah, he's done better than I've expected. Certainly. I mean, I think Absolutely. he's definitely lived up to what people like Susan Crawford expected out of him in a number of ways. Although, I will say that we're still deeply concerned about the path network neutrality takes. Mm-hmm. And so there's clearly an issue there where... Where the chairman has to find a balancing act. And, and I think many of us are concerned that he's balancing a little too far in, in the terms of industry interests. Mm-hmm. So that's something that will be resolved soon. Um, but I, I do think that, that one other thing that pops into my head as we're talking about that is that the FCC has been much more, it's, the FCC has done a better job of being a regulatory body, I think, when it comes to some of these mergers. Um, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't this year, but it denied previously the AT&T T-Mobile merger, which has led to all kinds of investment in the wireless space. And now, I think it's asked some really hard questions of Comcast and the Time Warner Cable merger, and, and eight or ten months ago, I thought it was ludicrous to think that we could stop it. I thought it was important that we stop it, but I didn't think we really would have a chance at stopping it, and... No, I always thought we had a chance, but I didn't think we'd actually do it. And now I'm starting to get my hopes up. And yeah. I, think, I think we can stop this merger. And we can. that would be a tremendous win for consumers across America. And more importantly, uh, indirectly consumers, because it would be a really big win for ISPs. Mm-hmm. If Comcast and Time Warner Cable join together, they're going to be able to change the industry in ways that will really hurt small companies that are the ones investing in gigabit networks and mm-hmm. the cities that are investing in gigabit networks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so I think that that's, it's exciting.
2: How often does that happen that, that a merger would be?
0: Since Reagan, almost never. Really? I mean, it's very rare. Antitrust policy fundamentally changed uh, during the Reagan years and just really just before. Is, what began the change. but um, There's but we also did a,
1: fewer and fewer companies to merge.
2: Right, although they... <laughs> yeah. <you> know, because <laughs> of that.
0: <laughs> no, that's, there's, there's something to that. But we had a, a podcast with Barry Lynn that I highly recommend, and, and his book, Cornered, I recommended every opportunity because he talks about this these issues of consolidation and mergers. And, and I think if this FCC denies the Comcast and Time Warner Cable merger, that may be one of the most important decisions that they make. Because frankly, network neutrality is important, but network neutrality just gets us to stay where we are. And we need to figure out how to move forward and make sure that Comcast has less power in two years to hurt the internet and to, to you know to control things than than it has right now. And I think stopping the merger is the first step in that direction to reclaiming some local power and making sure that one or two companies can't be gatekeepers.
2: If they deny the merger, can can they can you go back again and and ask to merge again, or does something well, they significant happen different? Okay. Yeah, and is that likely to happen? No, what will probably happen is if the river?
0: merger is "quote unquote" denied. I think is that Comcast would withdraw it. Mm-hmm. Because they wouldn't want to have the merger officially denied, so it would just be oh, we changed our mind once they found out there was a possibility of it being denied, right? We didn't want that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> so, and that's—I mean, I'm not a FCC insider, and I think that's part of my charm, <laughs> so, <laughs> is being ignorant of some of these things. I was but, wondering where your charm
2: <laughs> came in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I, you know, that's my understanding of how it works.
2: So
1: then we're talking about predictions i think we've moved into that area so right. so we're talking this is
0: your favorite part lisa you're so excited <laughs> about predictions says.
1: <laughs> so um so chris thinks that uh we may be able to prevent the merger so do you think that that is a decision that will happen in 2015 or do you think yeah. it's a decision that will get pushed back even well, farther I don't know what will push it
0: back even further. There is a a clock that they have to meet, and Uh there's some things that allow them to stop the clock Mm -hmm. and then restart it. Mm -hmm. And as of right now, I think we need to know, uh, the FCC would need to make a decision in April, I want to say, but um, sometime relatively soon. So Mm -hmm. I do think we'll have an answer, um, and I desperately hope that the merger is denied. Um, You know, I'm going to predict that it's going to be denied because... Um, On the books. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out there and say that I feel like the amount of outrage we've seen across America and frustration. Um, I think it's gonna lead to the FCC denying the merger.
1: I I think that they're gonna just withdraw it.
0: Right. Well, that's why. I, well, I guess the different way I should say it is that yeah. I don't think the I don't think it's gonna, gonna go. go
1: yeah, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna go all the way through the process. I yeah. think that, as you said, that there's going to be. Uh, an indication that it would be denied, and so Comcast and Time Warner would just say, well, then we'll try again later.
0: That's what, that's what I'm, I'm going to... You know, a lot of times I think predictions is important not to just go with what you want to happen. Right. But, but on this one, I'm going to say, yeah, the Gophers are going to win the, uh, the uh, NCAA tournament in men's basketball.
1: And it's going to rain
0: gold coins. <laughs> and there will be no merger between Comcast and Time Warner Cable.
1: We talk about community networks all the time. How? What do you see there? Do you see um, more community networks emerging? Do you see more communities building them? Do you see different methods? What? What? What do we expect to see there? Well, that's
0: it's a good question, and I, I think we will continue to see more networks. Um, I think so too. I have a fear though, and on this one, um, I'll just say that I'm I'm a bit worried about seeing more cities that I think are going to be trying to figure out how to do something easier. Mm-hmm. They're going to be too intimidated at building their own network, and they're going to they're they're think that it's not possible for them to do it. And in some cases, they may be making a smart decision. Not every community should build a network, I agree. Um, but I think some communities, and, and I think too many, will be looking at foolish partnerships. Uh, where they're partnering with an entity that, that will ultimately not work with them in the ways that they want to or is that won't have the community's interest at heart, uh, or an entity that could turn around and sell the network to Comcast, and then you know you have a slightly better network with terrible pricing and no real choice in providers and that sort of thing. Um, so I think we'll see that. But I also think we're going to see, um, you know, more models emerge. We're going to see more groups of cities working together in ways that we're starting to see in Connecticut.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking more partnerships, hopefully more creative approaches to partnerships that are more meaningful for the cities. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm expecting more work with co-ops.
0: Right. I think that's, yeah, I think we're going to see co-ops expanding. And and something that, that I think um, that we'll start to see in states is we'll see more states debating programs like Minnesota did, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see Minnesota put more money into their fund, which uh, we don't know where that money's going yet. There's been um, uh, there's a twenty million dollar fund, and I think they had sixty six million in applications. I think we're gonna see. I do think we're gonna see more states experimenting mm-hmm. with projects or with programs like Minnesota has. Uh, with a $20 million fund. And, and I hope that a lot of that money is directed to co-ops in rural areas because mm-hmm. I think that, that munis, counties, and co-ops are the solution for rural areas. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a challenge of getting long-term, low-interest capital, but if that can be made available, then we can basically build fast Internet networks the same way we built electricity networks with, with local entities that are responsive to the needs. And they're not going to do a terrible job of customer service like Windstream or Frontier. They're not going to criminally underinvest in the network like CenturyLink does in rural Minnesota. I mean, it's, you know these are the sorts of things that cities that are looking at private ownership, particularly in rural areas, need to look at the ways in which these big companies just have no interest in investing in rural America. So, so I think we're going to see more of that sort of thing. And we're going to see more states recognizing they have to do something, something positive, not just – Not just basically handing the legislature over to cable and telephone lobbyists. Mm
1: -hmm. So then, as far as lobbyists go, um, I feel my prediction. Carnac Lisa um, predicts (laughs) predicts that the you know lobbying efforts at the state legislatures is going to slow down a little bit um, as a way to the anti municipal lobby. Yes, as a way to not provoke the FCC. That's my guess. I'm
0: curious. You know, I'm, I, I think that's it's, it's rational thinking to think that the cable companies will will not want to keep going into these battles that they haven't won. I mean, it's been a while. You know, they they fought a number of these battles. But in Kansas, they were embarrassed totally. And AT&T was just embarrassed, I think, in Kansas again for, its, you know, getting involved a little bit with Chinook. Uh, so i I think you know i'll be i 'll be watching Maine because there's so much more interest in Maine than there has been in the past, and Fairpoint's trying to figure out how to keep its terrible monopoly for their terrible service in a lot of the state uh, i'll be watching Georgia and Kansas because we've seen recent attempts there, mm-hmm. but you're right I think I wouldn't be surprised if they pull back. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they just go full speed ahead because these are cable lobbyists. It's their job to try and, you know, do whatever they can and they have to justify their salaries. So so I wouldn't be surprised if we see more states that are that are looking at this.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I just feel like they're too smart. I don't I think that that would be just that would be like shooting yourself in the foot. But then again, you know, it's all short term thinking. So. All right. So here's a
0: here's a I'll predict that there will be five or more states in which there are attempts to restrict local authority. And you can take the other side. And in a year, we you come back, and you can, okay. you can just say... I don't
1: think there's going to be any this next wow, legislative session. Wow, you're going to you're you're go yeah, with zero. I'm going to go with zero this next, next legislative session. Well, we'll know in January
0: whether you're winning that
1: <laughs> yeah, one or not. <laughs> yeah, we'll know. Yeah. Unless there's something that's already... I mean, if there's something that's already in the... No, I think that even if there is something that's already written and sitting on somebody's desk they will probably say why don't you just wait. All right? Hold off. All right.
2: You yeah. talked about uh embarrassment in with AT&T and Chanute. and I'm wondering do you think that, that that sort of embarrassment is happening a lot more frequently with yeah. with companies that are that are getting kind of, you know, foot and mouth, I guess or
0: Yeah, I think so. And and frankly, it, it should happen a whole lot more. I mean, these are companies that are not used to being in the public eye, I think. You know, when you have Verizon uh, and, and the cable companies running ads every morning on the buses or the trains in, 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 um, in Washington, D.C., saying, saying, you know, too much net neutrality regulation and we're going to not invest anymore and it's going to kill our industry. At the same time, they're telling Wall Street, hey, don't worry about this whole thing. If the FCC cracks down on Title II, we're still going to invest. It's not going to change our investment plans. Because they don't want investors to freak out. And they know that, they're gonna, that their investment plans aren't really impacted by whether it's Title II or not. Because the FCC is not going to overregulate in this matter. But they could say those things in the past, speaking out of both corners of their mouth, and never be called on it. But now, the Washington Post has people that are actually paying attention to telecom. And, and, and I would say that, that the Washington Post and the New York Times, to a lesser extent, they're listening to people like me more. And people that are actually trying to collect these examples and say, hey, look at this. This is absurd. They're lying. Write about this. And in the past, they wouldn't write about it. But now they are writing about it. So, so that's good. And I think it makes them um, you know, uncomfortable because they're not used to actually having real scrutiny. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a very exciting time. And, and I think you know, it's exciting that people are interested in this subject. And, and I think we, uh, you know, we all deserve a little pat on the back. Um, you know, our audience and us because it's been an exciting year and we spent a lot of years working up to it.
1: Pat on the back, everybody. Pat, 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 <laughs> pat, pat, pat. Yay. And, and I
0: do want to thank people because these are things that would not be happening without the people that, that are That's for in sure. the communities. You know, I mean, I'm very glad that, that people are interested in what we have to say. But Lisa, you and I both know most of what we do is just reporting on what other people are doing. <laughs> you know, know, we're not really doing a whole lot fundamentally. We're just the messengers of what's happening across America. It's very exciting. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, thank you, everyone, and have a great new year.
2: Happy New Year.
1: Thank you for listening to the Community Broadband Bits podcast this week and throughout 2014. It's been our pleasure bringing you news of community networks and telecommunications throughout this eventful year. We hope you'll continue to tune in during 2015 to our advertisement-free show. We encourage you to visit ILSR.org and click on the orange Donate button to contribute to our work. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. Thank you again to Dickie F. for the music this week. His song, Florida Mama, is licensed through Creative Commons. Thanks again for listening, and we wish you a safe and happy new year.